0: It is the Healthy Families Podcast, and I am your host, Jenny Hatch. My special guest today is an author, Lynn Griesemer, who's written a new book. Lynn, welcome to the show. Hi, Jenny. I'm so excited to talk about your book today, so why don't you just tell us all about it?
1: Well, I wrote Porn Free, how to decrease the demand for pornography because I felt it was needed. In our landscape of pornography, we have information on recovery, addiction, the brain on porn, everything that happens after someone gets ensnared in this awful habit or addiction. But there's really not a lot to, uh, to talk about how can we decrease it in the first place. Yes, there are educational programs, Fight the New Drug, Enough is Enough. There's a lot out there for education, but sometimes that education might not be enough. It's too late if your 15-year-old son, you go to your son and say, hey, you might run into pornography on your cell phone or in your life. It's too late to have the conversation if you think family life is nice and neat and orderly and you can go, you know, initiate conversations. Basically, I wrote this book. It's kind of more about parenting and communication and family life and just so many things, virtues and morality. And if we can, as parents, be the first person who introduces pornography awareness in our family, that will go a long way. And if we are parents who are approachable for your children to talk to, to come to you and say, ooh, I saw something kind of funny on my, on my phone, and I was really uncomfortable and disturbed by it, mom or dad, and you can have the conversations.
0: Yeah and I think that is the key in talking to especially middle school age children which when I think they're really expanding their friend pool and being exposed to things on their friends phones and I think the average age of starting with pornography is like 11 for boys and girls and so if you can talk to your kids before they even hit their middle school years and explain to them that when you when you see something that makes you feel upset even if you don't know what you're seeing that's a clue for you. That's your conscience kicking in saying something's off. And that's a, a, a good time to go talk to mom and dad.
1: Definitely, definitely. And yeah, we just we just really need to be aware of this. Now, pornography might not affect many people. You might think it doesn't affect my family. I don't have a problem. Nobody in my circle of friends or family has porn issues. So I can just go on on life on my merry own way. And so tonight I just want to talk about why we should be aware, why we should care about pornography. Why even though we may not be using it, why should we care? So I'd like to get into that topic uh in our time together tonight. Let's go. All right. Why should we care? We should care because all Even though porn may not be in our lives, it's all around us. Let me just throw some statistics out. And this is from Covenant Eyes and some other organizations. And I'm not exactly sure whether it was 2019 or 2017. But the financial cost to business productivity in the U.S. is estimated at $17 billion dollars productivity. And in our pornified culture, the average person will go to a porn site and spend 13 minutes, not the average person, but people who visit porn. 28% people at work and using a work computer have access to porn. And the average worker, average across the board, one hour and 38 minutes per month. Add up that time in wages and you get a lot of money. Now, of course, many Uh, Government and companies have strong uh, filters against pornography, but who's to say in some working environments, you can pull out your cell phone in the back room while business is going slow and you're sitting there looking at porn. This is wasting a lot of employee hours and every day this is it's very sick every day. About There's about 120,000 queries related to child porn. We have 2.5 billion emails about porn every day are sent or received. And so that's why we should care. We're going to be sent, we might be sent emails on porn. And of course, me, in the course of researching this topic and immersed in this topic, I get a lot of emails that are, they just get quickly deleted. I, <laughs> they're terrible. So I could go on and on with stats, but we should care about porn. Here's the big reason. The people around you that you don't know using porn, let's just say your coworkers, your boss, somebody you interact with, your friend. What does porn do? We know that it does affect the brain, and I won't go too much into detail on that. Many people have written about it. But what porn does is it shapes your beliefs, your attitudes, your ideas. It begins to take hold of your ideas. Now what happens when the porn user has their ideas being shaped? Well, those ideas can sometimes lead down the path to giving them permission to behave in certain ways. Many men who get caught up in child porn and pedophilia and sex offender status and criminal behavior, they don't wake up one day and that's what they want to do. They go down a slippery slope where they then give themselves permission. And so that is that is an extreme uh, result of pornography. But I'm just saying the ideas that shape men or women's behavior about human sexuality and relationships, nowadays there are various sex acts that are... Um, repulsive to women that men are requesting of their girlfriends or wives. Why? I believe because they were looking at porn and porn gives them the idea. Yeah. I, um, I think the, the child
0: porn side of it is so problematic because uh, it creates these unnatural feelings towards children of thinking of them as um non-people, non-human. They're just an object. And being objectified um, makes it so that the child themselves gets seduced into sometimes these relationships that they think that this is just what people do. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't, they're not sophisticated enough to understand that this is wrong. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: I've seen over the years here and there stories being told of little ones who you know, are, are abused and they don't know that it's abuse and they grow up thinking this is just normal behavior. And Mm -hmm. I, I am a absolutist when it comes to the punishment of those who have sex with children. I believe that it is appropriate, appropriate to invoke uh, a death penalty. And this would do a couple of things if we were to take this stance, it would send a message to the victims of, uh, child molestation we know and understand what you suffered this has affected your whole life and so we're going to deal with your perpetrator in a very real way and it also sends a message to the potential perpetrators if you commit this crime if you do this act against a child you're going to do so at the risk of losing your own life and i have watched what happens with children when their perpetrators die it is a powerful thing that they just you know wow they feel safe and so in, in terms of healing our culture and moving away from the, what I consider the depths of depravity around porn, which would include these acts against little ones, um, that if we were to take that strong stance of just child molesters, you are going to die if you do this, that that would be the most powerful stance we could take as a, cult- as a society.
1: Yeah, that is very powerful thought there. And we we all know that once a child is violated in these heinous heinous ways, crimes, the violation against their 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 spiritual, their soul, their body, their mental health psychologically, they really can cannot recover normally. Life recovery is just trying to regain something, and you know they many people who are violated. They have rocky relationships. There's divorce in their future. Sometimes they go on to become perpetrators themselves because, like you said, somehow, somewhere they don't know. They don't know what to do with it. It, it, it really it derails them. They're, they're not the train on the normal train tracks. They get derailed, and then their whole life is trying to piece it back together, and it's, it's horrible. Well,
0: Lynn, I'm going to go out on limb and just share that I am one of those child victims. I was, um, abused sexually as a little girl under the age of eight and it has shaped my whole life. It has affected every dimension of my relationships and my feelings about myself. And it has taken me decades to heal from these assaults. And Mm -hmm. so I come at it from that perspective of someone who was violated and, um, I've had this passion in my heart for wanting to help prevent that for the little ones who are being born right now. What can we do as a society to make it so that people don't even want to look at it? They don't even want to engage. I think you've got some real answers in your book. Could you go into some of the more detailed explanations for how we can prevent this?
1: Okay, um, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your um, past violation. It, it really just, uh, it, it takes, it, it, it almost kills a person in a way. It it deadens the child. And so I'm very sorry that you went through it. But in my book, I talk a lot about morality, virtues, how we as parents can raise our children To do the right thing and just imagine Jenny in our news so much in our life energy uh, what we talk about what we focus on if people just did the right thing then we wouldn't be in so many predicaments that we have in our culture but I talk about many things but maybe we can just talk about ten ways to raise a porn-free child and it really starts with parents believing that every child is, de- is a delight and to treat them accordingly. Now, many parents will have mistake pregnancies. Well, it's time to pivot and just accept that child and love that child and treat them as a delight. And so when you honor and respect your child, that number one, it's love. Okay. Another thing you can do, as a parent is to build a strong marriage, one that your children can model. And even, I love the success stories, there are many, many hundreds, hundreds of marriages that they did not have a good example in their family. Maybe they're from a divorced home, but they go on to get married and they, they develop a very strong family. I think my advocacy for lifelong happy marriage emerges out of me Observing my parents who did not have the most loving relationship, they got divorced after 42 years of marriage. And I am just a very fervent advocate of, you know, the person you marry. Hopefully you made a good choice. And then hopefully you are living a good, um, you are making that a good creating a good marriage so good marriages just don't happen so modeling a good marriage for your children is a great way to raise okay now all of these things are not foolproof just because we do this does not mean we will have voila a porn free child but all of these things can protect you they can build a strong foundation because a parent can do as all the things that i talk about but if your child goes down the street and the neighbor introduces them to porn or their friend, and that's probably what's going to happen. They're going to stumble across it. Somebody's going to introduce it to them. And the most important thing is how to deal with curiosity. Curiosity is what really gets people. They go and they take a second look. Oh, wow. Well, this was weird. Oh, this is strange. But I'm drawn to this for some reason. Let me take a second look. Oh, Let me take a third look. Ooh, this feels good. I, you know, children, you know, young boys discover masturbation and it feels good and the orgasm and all of that. And um, so sorry to get a little explicit here, but the point is we we can tell our kids that, you know, you my book weaves in what human sexuality and what sex is meant to be. In the highest level, and then how can we raise our families like that? And so, as you know, it takes parents examining our porn story, our background, what, and there's just a lot to unpack and unravel. But even if you're not a perfect person, you just go ahead and you we make it as best we can as parents. So I can keep going with this little list, but I'll give you an opportunity if you have any thoughts um, that come to mind about some things that I've said so far.
0: Well, there's always these kind of markers for uh, nations that have fallen. And in the past, of course, the nations that collapsed did not have modern technology. And so um, before they fell, there were always a couple of things they had in common that we can definitely apply to today. And your point that children, infants, become expendable uh, when, when a couple has a baby and they think of it as something to sacrifice to some deity or a baby that they just don't feel like raising. So they'll just abandon it or neglect it. Those traits are very common in these societies that fall. And in California, I've heard that they want to pass a law that says that you can commit infanticide up to the age of one. And this is just an extension of the abortion law, just in case you have a baby that's sick or maybe colicky or, you know, just gets on your nerves. I don't want to do this parenting thing. This is hard. So we'll kill the baby. That, that is a real thing. And so when you have this culture that embraces life and embraces all life and we're going to nurture our children, we're going to take care of them. We're going to help them. Um, compared to a, a child, a child free or a, a child neglect society which I think there are so many families right now who look at the culture and they just, they just want to run screaming. What can I do to protect my, my own to keep them safe from all of this darkness. And I would just suggest that the number one thing you can do is to shelter your own children in your own home for as long as you can. And that doesn't mean you have to completely bug out of society, but to just recognize where we are in our decline as a society and that Perhaps you don't want to let the sixth grader go to the slumber party. You don't know what they're going to get exposed to during the 12 to 15 hours that you're out of your space. You know, and that's completely appropriate. Maybe you don't want to let the next door neighbor who you don't know their moral values um, have your kid over in their home. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's on the television. And And this understanding of just this need to protect and shelter as long as we can, you know, at least until they're eight hopefully until they're, they're in high school, that really helps to tamp down the possibility. That's the big question I've had. How can I make it so there is no possibility of my own children being molested or raped? That, that was my goal as a young mom. And so we did have this kind of like higher standard of, we did no slumber parties and we really kind of tried to hold them back a little bit, you know, not in a freaky way, but just protective way this is what parents do this is what parents do in the wild the animals know how to protect their young and they will fight to the death to keep them safe and i think if you just kind of have that ferocious attitude and recognize that that babies are safer when it's mom and dad caring for them and mom can keep if mom can keep keep herself at home and protecting the little ones up until they're the age of eight or ten that is the ideal and we should we should be putting things in place in terms of political policy and law to do everything we can to support those young couples who are raising the next generation of people.
1: Yeah, great points, great points. Uh, At first when you said, what can I do to have no possibility, and I thought you were going to say, so that they don't even see porn. Well, I think that is completely unrealistic. We have to brace ourselves that they will be exposed to pornography but when, but you said no possibility for being raped or assaulted. And I totally agree with that. We did not do um, sleepovers and I would just tell my kids, oh no, we don't do that. You can go to their party for a couple of hours and then come home, but we're not staying overnight. And these kids stay overnight when, when we did Know the people very well, and again, it wasn't like a group of people, just just one person. We had to know the family for many years, and when they did go overnight, sometimes they're sleeping the whole next day because they're up all night, and they can get into trouble and they're laughing up until two and three and four in the morning.
0: Well, I'll tell you that the child molester in my life was my father, and when I think about how many slumber parties I hosted. And he potentially had access to so many of my friends. I just shudder to think how many people he he potentially pounced on in the dark of night. And it it just fills me with dread to think about these friends who may have been struggling for all these decades since our childhood because of me inviting them to my home. And so were you saying something?
1: Inviting someone to your home—I I don't know if I missed—I missed that. Um, but yeah, just uh, the gut feelings and intuition of a child is very important for them to get in touch with that when they're a young age and to communicate with the parents. And for example, a little four, five, six, seven-year-old. Um, oh yeah, I know a little four-year-old girl. Uh, I was on this podcast the other night for adults who were survivors of child sex abuse. And the co-host was saying when she was four years old, her parents would bring her to a bar and other guys would fondle her, put their fingers under her dress and be feeling her. And she said to her, mommy, I don't like how that feels. I don't like, and, and the hard thing about some of this child abuse is the children reaching out to a trusted adult and the adult not watching their back and just kind of letting it go because they're part of the problem but that's 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 a whole other conversation that's part of the problem but at least the child to to understand something is not right i think we are all built with a guilt not a guilt conscience we are built with a conscience that gives us information of guilt of fear of what is right of what what is good And, um, and like I said, being the first to introduce pornography awareness to your child is on my list of 10 ways to raise a porn free child. Another thing we need to talk about in our culture is the importance of the father. The father should provide daily or frequent involvement, guidance and intimacy. Wouldn't it be great if the dad had a, a working situation where he could be home most evenings for dinner, family time? father-daughter relationship, uh, building your daughter up in femininity and just accepting of who she is. So in the home, we model healthy sexuality, healthy relationships. It's wonderful to be a part of a large family, but brothers and sisters learn about boy and girl behavior. You are a little bit at a disadvantage sometimes uh, when you have an only child or maybe two kids, but you know in in uh, at the turn of the century when the fam two centuries ago <laughs> when the families were larger you had brothers and sisters you had people just understanding boy and girl male and fa- female behavior so father's involvement and just um i you know like your show is all about um healthy families make a healthy world
0: yep that's the goal and mm-hmm. when you come from dysfunction, like I did, um, it's pretty much all you want to just have something that's better, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I developed a dissociative disorder that made it so I did not remember any of the abuse until I was well into my 30s. And so I have a deep passion for anybody who's struggling emotionally perhaps with depression or even suicidal thoughts, and they don't know where those feelings are coming from because that was my reality for a long time. And then once I started to remember the abuse, then I was able to reconcile. And it's been a 20-year journey to try and figure out, you know, everything that happened to me. And then you, as a victim, you kind of blame yourself. You, you say things like, oh, if I just wouldn't have gone to that thing then this horrible thing wouldn't have happened. And so it's healthy to just kind of release that guilt and the shame and just say, I was a kid. I was doing the best I could. And and ultimately I was surviving. Mm-hmm. And when I think about all the human wreckage that I personally have experienced and I've seen in my siblings and close friends around this issue, I, I just I, I, kind of the, the mama bear rises up and I just want to smash all of those pornography sites and the magazines and 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 even the law, you know, the Larry Flint law that he fought for. It felt like pornography had more rights than people walking down the street. Yeah. And I would love to see those types of laws pushed back against and just say, no, we're not going to have it. Yeah. We're just going to get rid of it. There are definitely It would take some work. real courage.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So and-
0: we're, we're winding. We're winding. We're winding down our time, Lynn. Do you want to share where people can buy your book and yes. talk about your website? I put a, I put a link in the chat and I put it in the, the links page. So tell us all about how we can buy it.
1: Okay, you can purchase my book on Amazon. Uh, the title is Porn Free, How to Decrease the Demand for Pornography. Now, when you go to the main Amazon website, you might not get to my book. Just make sure you... Do a little extra search for books. It is newly released. I I hit 15 reviews today. It's been out just for a couple of weeks. I'm excited about it because I have solutions. So it's on Amazon. For right now for $9.99, or we just got the ebook up and running for $7.99. So I really wanted to make the price point something that you just didn't have to think about that you would just easily click on it and have at your fingertips. It takes approximately three hours to read, give or take if you stop and you're thinking about it. My website is lynngriesmer.com L y n n g r i e s e m as in Mike E r dot and a lot of my social media is that as well. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a YouTube channel called Lynn Griesmer, and I'll be making more videos. I have many interests: home birth, um, marriage, lifelong happy marriage, porn free swimming. Go ahead
0: and go ahead and tell us about the epic swim you just did the other day. She made okay. it on the news.
1: Yes, I did. I am a long-distance swimmer, and I'm, I am an endurance athlete. And in life, we need endurance. We need endurance raising our families. We need endurance when we're going to give birth. We need endurance when we've made it past 25 years of marriage. And so I swam around Clearwater. I live in the Tampa area. I swam around Clearwater, and my husband kayaked for me. It was 14.22 miles. It took me seven hours and 30 minutes. Many people do not know this, Jenny, but I was offering up my swim for those who are addicted, especially in pornography. So I, uh, although I was suspended in the present moment with all this swimming, focusing on my stroke and, and the swim itself, I offered a lot of prayers. I would dip in and out. And my heart went out and tried to unite with those who really struggle because pornography is sometimes not an easy thing to quit. People find themselves in a porn habit for a soothing, for an emotional escape. It's not just a sex thing. Porn can be something to soothe themselves, something you go off by yourself, and it's very hidden. There's a lot of shame and guilt that goes goes along with porn addicts, and I really hope to... Um, let those who are struggling with pornography not to be ashamed of it, to rise above and try to quit and stop. Your life will become better when you leave the porn behind in every single case. It really does no benefit. There's, there's really no benefit to having a pornography habit or addiction.
0: And that would be the way that I'd like to end the show is to just offer the hand of fellowship to anybody who's struggling that there are resources out there for you to help you uh, overcome your addiction and that it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're unlovable or you can't even have a happy life. I know that you can heal from this and, and be renewed. And I would like to challenge you to take on that task. I believe you'll have a happier life if you, if you're able to just tamp down this addiction and move your life in more positive directions.
1: Great. Any Amen. final words? No, go, go forth and have a great life. And I love your show. And I wish you the best as you're just launching and getting started. You have great topics and a, and a great mission. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Lynn, for your time. I hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you.